Roe versus Wade is overturned in America and darkness falls upon the land of liberty. Women who once were endued from on high with the ability to arbitrarily grant personhood to their child have now been stripped of the rights to kill their own babies. As the pro-compassion group scrambles for a defense, they turn back to their roots of Margaret Sanger, the beloved founder of Planned Parenthood, who was the friend of the KKK, which was started by the Democrat Party, and was a Nazi party member and a eugenist who believed in the Aryan race, believed, Margaret Sanger, believed in limiting the black population from growing so that one day they would finally be weeded out. And that was applauded by the KKK. Well, as this pro-abortion, pro-compassion group who fights for the rights of everyone, the party of love and peace and serenity, well, as they sought for a new argument, a new line of defense, as darkness has fallen over the land of America, while digging through the old archives, they dusted off old slave owners' playbooks and decided to give it a go. They started with, well, they aren't human. They don't have a soul. Next, they went to, if you care so much about babies, take care of the living babies right in front of you. Just like they said, if you care so much about black people, care for the black people in the North. You aren't pro-freedom. You're just pro-oppressing Southern landowners. They also tried this one on for size. If you don't have a uterus, a.k.a. if you don't own slaves, you don't have the right to say what we do with our slaves, with our land, or with our unborn child. Ah, uh, the Nazis would be proud. Their eugenic worldview of determining just who was valuable and who was not. Just to move forward, the Aryan race finally succeeded. Well, at least it was succeeding for 50 years, but uh, a small hiccup with the Supreme Court giving the democratic freedoms back to the people so that there could be democracy instead of a totalitarian leadership and draconian rule. But apparently the progressives, the champions of democracy, those who say that democracy dies in darkness, now say, ah, we don't actually want democracy in the first place. Well, the news gets better. The massive corporations are standing up to fight for the freedom of, of women everywhere with providing up to 4,000, some corporations providing up to $4,000 for pregnant women to fly to other states to kill their babies. In a recent statement from, quote unquote, the man, we at ABC Corporation recognize that the woman workforce is a vital part of our company. We value how much money we make off those women each year. After counting the cost, we realize that the cost of maternity leave and the lost production time and the increased benefits we'd have to pay out to provide for this mother and her child are quite costly. Over the space of the fetuses 18 years of life before they can become a productive cog in our factory, we estimate that the budding clump of cells would cost the company in excess of, well, it's incalculable. Therefore, we want our women leans 
to get back to work as fast as possible and start and stop this child rearing nonsense. Well, yes, the man seems to really be caring for for all their un unborn people and child bearing people. We need to be gender inclusive here. Well, the progressives are enraged leftists across pro-abortion states where literally nothing has changed with this ruling. California, New York, nothing has changed. Well, the progressives have taken to the streets, burning down their own abortion clinics, shouting down with democracy. If our, if other states can't have abortions, no one can have abortions. Some young woman have even turned back to Judeo-Christian values, stating, if I can't have an abortion, then I am practicing abstinence until I find the right guy, settle down, and get married. Pro-progressive, pro-abortionists have moved so far, so far to the left, that they have now started wearing MAGA hats and are chanting, make America great again, vowing to do everything they can to get Donald Trump reelected as president because, hey, at least he got stuff done. <laughs> hey, it's Lucas Grobot, and you're listening to The Lucas Grobot Show. It's episode 289, June 30th, 2022. Uh, okay, half of that stuff in that intro is definitely not true. Like They're not burning down their own abortion clinics, even though that would be hilarious. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens or happened because people were just so enraged wanting to make a point but corporations are are actually offering four thousand dollars why clearly the cost benefit ratio of not having your women pregnant really does serve the corporation's bottom line and women really are saying hey we're going to practice abstinence because of this thing which it's deeply ironic, it's deeply ironic that for, for years, the conservative movement that has been fighting for the sanctity of life has been saying that hookup culture is a problem. Hookup culture and sleeping around for both male and female is a huge issue, the, the driving issue behind abortion. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this trigger warning. Before, I mean, I've already offended everyone, already offended everyone to the nth degree with that uh, introduction. So maybe it's too late for this, but trigger warning. If, if you have had an abortion, if you have been a, a part of one, if you've encouraged someone to have an abortion, it is natural and expected that you might be deeply offended, deeply hurt by the comments that I already made and the comments that I'm going to make. But I, I will say this, there is forgiveness and there is freedom to be had from the trauma that you have incurred and incurred upon you from an abortion, whether it's forced on you or not that there is forgiveness. But the way that forgiveness, healing, and wholeness can happen is if you recognize that what you did or what you were a part of was, was deeply wrong, that you took the life of another human. There is no forgiveness. There's no healing and redemption 
without repentance, without recognizing and admitting that, man, I made a grievous mistake. So for the women out there or a man who, who influenced a woman to have an abortion, I would say, listen to this and recognize and realize that I'm not condemning you, but I am stating that what happened was killing an innocent life. And that is something I will never apologize for. I will never apologize for telling the truth. I will never apologize for stating a fact. Yes. Is it painful, offensive? Yes. Is it something that women carry, and probably men too, carry so much shame around? Yes. But I, I'm also here to say that there is forgiveness and freedom to be had in repentance, in recognizing that the decision that was made was terribly wrong. And I, if that's you, I sincerely hope you recognize that, and I sincerely hope you find a good counselor who can walk you through that grieving process of what happened in your life. Now, with that disclaimer made, uh, what, uh, what an exciting, wow, what an exciting week for America. What an exciting week for the world. On June 24th, 2022, we saw this coming because of that leak from the Supreme Court a, a month and a half ago about Roe versus Wade finally overturned the numbers of, of abortions that have happened in America since Roe versus Wade is somewhere between 63 million and 70 million. Some people even say uh, children killed at the hands of abortion in the last 50 years. That is one in three of our generation. One in three lives have been lost to abortion in this last generation. And indeed, ladies and gentlemen, that is a life. Each and every one of those babies aborted was a human life, a human life. So it's, it is, uh, man, I, I am just, I'm beside myself and the excitement and the celebration and, and the joy. However, the battle is, is only beginning. The battle for the recognizing of the sanctity of life, that life starts at conception. The battle that a, a baby is human is only beginning. It is, it is likened to, and we'll get into this a little bit uh, into the show, it is likened to when Abraham Lincoln declared that all the slaves were free. He declared that they were free, and it wasn't, and, and he declared that in, in 19, or sorry, excuse me, 1863, declared that they were free. It wasn't until over two years later that all the slaves were indeed free. Something similar is happening right now. There's, a, there's not been the declaration that all babies are human, which they are. Human life begins at conception. But it is likened to that in that states now have the, – the, the, the authority has been given back to the states, and there's still a lot of work to be done. There's still the work of now in states helping – in the states where it's been made illegal, helping mothers and children and taking care of babies who would have been aborted. And in other states, fighting to put legislation through to defend – 
the life of the unborn. It is only beginning just as it took years to convince people that black people were fully human, that black people had a soul, just as it, it took an entire war costing the lives of tens of millions of people, World War I and World War II, World War II specifically, to convince people that Jews were fully human. People didn't believe that. They thought it was okay that they went to the gas chambers in Nazi Germany. The same, we're in that same battle, that same battle of saying, this is a full human being with the rights of a person, just as the abolitionists had to argue that a black person was a full human being with the rights of a human. And people fought it and resisted it for so long. And what side of history are they now? They are the, when we look back on that, that, that era of history, we are, it's egregious. We look at that with, a, it's a, a stain of shame on the American history and is a stain of shame on humanity. And we recognize that. With horror, we recognize that. The same thing, generations from now, we'll look back and say, I can't, I can't believe that anyone would even think that a baby in its mother's womb was anything but a human being. What sort, of ar- what sort of archaic thinking is that? Just as we think on back hundreds of years before where they practiced child sacrifice. They take babies and they slaughter them and burn them on altars for prosperity in, in their lands, in their fields. We look back on that and we say, how archaic, what backwards thinking, what, what cruelty. The same thing will happen generations from now. So what side of history do you want to be on? Well, first, let's get into what this, the actual ruling was uh, from the Supreme Court and the Dobbs versus Jackson case. It is, it, it is really fascinating. The way that this even came about was that in the Dobbs versus Jackson case was that they were suing Jackson Women's Health Organization, an abortion clinic, and one of its its doctors challenged a law in Mississippi that restricted abortion to 15 weeks, saying after 15 weeks, you may not have an abortion. So Jackson sued the state saying that you are infringing upon our rights that were given to us by Roe versus Wade in the fact that we have the right to abort babies, even past 15 weeks. Now, even in Europe, there are restrictions. But in America, there are places where the laws say that until the baby's comes out of the birth canal and takes a breath, the entire baby minus the head can be out of the birth canal and you can kill that baby legally. At at 42 weeks pregnant, doesn't matter. There are laws that are put into place that after the baby is born, if you lay it on the table and neglect it for two weeks, that you're not going to be held liable for that baby's death because it's still in the neonatal stage. It still is reliant on a, an individual to take care of it. And if no one wants it, well, and that baby can't survive on itself, uh, we're not going to investigate. There's not going to be charges pressed. That's HR Bill HR 2223 from the state of California. Many of these rules are also being put into place in Colorado and New York, in America, different states. 
So in this ruling, the United States Supreme Court decided that Roe versus Wade was actually unconstitutional. Now, what, what this means, we have to understand the way that America was founded and situated. The, the whole premise of the American government is checks and balances so that not one organization within the arm of the government could have too much power. So the Supreme Court's job is not to create laws or even to decide laws. The, the U.S. Supreme Court, which is made up of nine unelected officials, so these people are not elected, they are appointed, and they have a lifelong term. Their job is to decide if a law violates the Constitution. The Constitution is a, a bill of rights that is given to limit the government, to say this is what the federal government can and cannot do, and these are the rights that are given to U.S. citizens. These are the rights given to the people in America, and this is the limitations that the federal government can have over the state government. This is what is Amendment 10 in the U.S. Constitution. It goes like this, quote, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. What does this mean? It means that if it's not explicitly in the Constitution as something given to the states or prohibited by the states, then those decisions are given to each state and the people in each state to vote on and decide on individually, state by state, what laws they will have in place. So Georgia can have different state laws than Florida or New York or Illinois or North or South Dakota. Each state can create different laws based on this constituents and that state and what laws they choose to pass. This is called democracy, ladies and gentlemen. What happened in Roe versus Wade, and the reason that it was called an egregious mistake and overstep was not because the United States Supreme Court all of a sudden realized that uh, a baby is a human life, but the United, Supreme, United States Supreme Court in Roe v. Wade essentially deprived the people and the states of their democratic rights by removing from the states the ability for them to create laws for their states regarding abortion. The entire Roe v. Wade argument was built upon what was is the 14th Amendment. In the 14th Amendment, it says, quote, all persons born or naturalized in the United States, a.k.a. an American citizen, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof or live in it, are citizens of the United States of the states wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process, or deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of laws. The argument that was made in Roe versus Wade was that a woman is now being denied life and liberty because— and, and, and that there is a violation of privacy by the state saying that baby is a life. You may not kill it. 
Now, there were laws in, in virtually every state, in virtually every state, dating from British common law. Now, think of the world before British common law. The, the law was stratified where different people had different rules applied to them. Royalty had different laws that they could follow. They were above the law versus the peasant. There's uh, British common law was an amazing development for mankind and humankind where it created what? A common law. British common law limited abortion. And then in the United States, each state, for um, this is one of virtually 50 different laws from 50 different states on the books dating back to the 1850s, 1860s. This is one is from Oregon in 1864. They made this law in section 509. Quote, any person shall administer to any, if any person shall administer to any woman pregnant with child, any medicine, drug, or substance, whatever, or shall use or employ any instrument or other means with the intent thereby to destroy such child Unless the same, unless the same shall be necessary to preserve the life of such a mother, such person shall, in the case of the death of a child or mother, thereby produced, be deemed guilty of manslaughter. In nomenclature, anyone who performs an abortion and kills a child or the mother in the process is guilty of manslaughter. Or other, other rulings in states says guilty of murder, guilty of secondary murder, and will serve jail times between one and 10 years and have their medical license taken away from them. It's state after state had this very, very similar law on its books. You will be guilty of murder of some kind, whether it's manslaughter, uh, a homicide, first degree murder, third degree murder, first degree murder, and There'll be a prison sentence of between one and 10 years and a fine. And if you're a medical practitioner, you will get your license stripped from you. This was the law in virtually every state. In every state, they had the ex this exception that if the life of the mother is truly at risk and there's no way to save the baby's life and save the mother's life, then the physician can save the mother's life. Virtually every state. So what happened, to sum this section up, what happened, Roe v. Wade wrongly decided and violated the United States Constitution and democracy. And took away the democratic right of the state and the peoples of that state. And so now here... This case comes along, Dobbs versus Jackson. Jackson is suing the state for saying that you are restricting an abortion after 15 weeks and we have a right to an abortion, which means at any time. And uh, that kind of kicked right back in their face. And the United States Supreme Court has ruled that Roe v. Wade is an overstep of the federal government and of the Supreme Court, and they're giving the right to make the laws back to the people, back to the states. This is democracy, ladies and gentlemen. So it is a win because it's no longer something that's federally mandated that states must provide. It is not a win in that the, the United States Supreme Court did not say that life begins at conception and therefore 
every infant in the womb has a right to personhood and anyone who kills that infant in the womb is guilty of murder. They did not say that. They said, this belongs to the state. And thereby, 13, 13 states immediately had laws on their books retroactively, which made abortion illegal or virtually illegal. Of course, there are always these exceptions to medical emergencies, for lack of a better word, atopic pregnancies, where the baby is not viable. And it's an atopic pregnancy is when the baby, the fertilized egg, attaches inside the fallopian tube. And as that baby begins to grow, it will burst the fallopian tube and the mother and the child will die. It's not a viable pregnancy. That is still legal. Or septus, where the child has died and is now is infected, infecting the mother's womb. You can go in and you can take that dead baby out. There are many cases where when the mother is past even 22 weeks pregnant, 20 weeks pregnant, that instead of having to abort the baby and kill the baby, if there is life-threatening complications, you can deliver the baby and do everything that you can, everything in your power to save that baby's life and save the mother. You do not have to kill the child. So these, these laws are being put into place. There are, are a total of about 26 states that either have laws on the books or will put laws through their legislation to severely limit abortion in those states, which also means there are 24 other states in America, which will likely continue in the road that they're, they're going down, which makes abortion legal up to in even past the point of birth. Mm. Well, NBC wrote a piece titled Coming War, and uh, it's a great piece, which essentially raises the question of, is a war coming? Are we about to see another war between the states over abortion? As, as I mentioned earlier, when three years, it was three years into the Civil War, when Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, that was January 1st, 1863, three years into the, the, the Civil War, the proclamation declared that all persons held as slaves within the rebellious states are henceforth shall be freed. America had brought in 600,000 slaves from Africa, from the African slave trade, 600,000. And approximately 620,000 men died, and women, died in the Civil War. 600,000. 600,000 slaves, 600,000 men died in, in the war for the emancipation of slavery and of slaves. And it wasn't until June 19th, 1865, two and a half years later, that the last slaves were finally declared free. We are seeing something similar, where half of America is saying babies are people. Unborn babies have a right to life. 
They are human. They are not less than human. They are not subhuman. And no one, no one has the right to arbitrarily choose if a baby can live or die. They have a right to life. And now there's the other half of the states that say absolutely not. We are going to retain and maintain our right to decide whether a baby in a woman's womb has the right to live or not. We're going to reserve that right to the mother. What will happen? Right now, there are states that are saying any woman can cross state lines and have their abortion in our state. Other states are then saying if anyone leaves our state to go somewhere else and unlawfully kill your child in our state, as you're a resident of our state, we will prosecute you when you return. So there is a, a looming war between the states, increasingly dividing America between states that uphold righteousness and justice and states with, which continue to pervert justice, continue to pervert morality and ethics for the sake of their own prosperity and for their own uh, liberal ideology. Yeah, that makes sense. In a post-truth society where we have exchanged truth for lies and reasons for post reason for postmodern irrationality, the absurd finally makes sense. Well, we are going to go through in this segment some of the pro-abortion arguments that are being made and just show how absurd they are on their face. I, I recently made a comment on the gram about how the arguments that pro-abortionists make are the same arguments that pro-slavers made, the same arguments that the Nazis made. They're using the same line of logic, the same line of reasoning, the same line of arguments. I was kindly asked, and was kindly, I'm not being suspicious there, by some people saying, hey, you know what, don't compare the two, thanks. And my response to that is, well, no, I, I am going to compare the two because the two are very comparable. The slavery was one of the most egregious things in American history. Now, slavery still exists across the world, labor slave slavery and uh, sex slavery, human trafficking still exists across the world and in America. What is the difference? The difference is now in America, that is illegal. We recognize that that is illegal. And we have government agencies whose sole purpose is to find and incarcerate people who are breaking the law regarding slavery. What was so egregious about slavery and the American slave trade, among many things, was one, they said, these people, they're soulless. They aren't fully human. Our religion gives us the right to enslave these people. We are practicing our religion. This is our religious freedom. And what was so egregious was that America, that a nation went along with that and said, yes, it's legal. Now, however, we look back and we say, I cannot believe that there was legal people. People would use their religion to oppress people. People would use their, the, this idea that that person doesn't fully have a soul. They're somehow less than human. It's, it's, it's sickening to think about. 
And yet, the same arguments are being made about abortion. The same exact arguments. Well, it's, it's not fully human. It's not a human yet. Arguments of, of well, this is my, my right to practice my religion. My religion believes that I can abort a baby. And so you're infringing upon my religious rights. You've heard, if you don't have a uterus, you don't have an opinion. No right to an opinion. My body, my choice. Well, slave owners said this, the exact same thing. Hey, if you're not a white landowner, <clears throat> sorry, you can't vote. Can't vote. You don't have an opinion. Can't stand up for the black slave. They're my property. My property, my choice. I can do what I want. The same arguments. The same arguments apply from both sides. So the, the first place that if, if you are encountering people who are bringing these arguments up to you, and we're going to go through line by line these arguments, the first, first place, middle place, and last place that you always bring it back to is the question of when does life begin? When does the human life begin? Not what is your opinion of when life begins. Not what is what does your religion say that life begins? Because those are subjective. I mean, if you're in the church of Satan, your religion believes that you have a right to child sacrifice. It, people in, in the slave times used Christianity saying, in Christianity, we have a right to own slaves. And so we're going we're gonna to own slaves. There are arguments right now saying, Jews saying, and I've seen the, the argument among Muslims as well. There was a, an article posted on newarab.com. New the whole thing was, well, this is within our rights as Muslims to kill unborn babies because of insolment, of when they become a real person. You always must bring it back to when does biology and when does science, science, not your opinion, when does it say that life begins? Well, great news for us. There's a study done in 2018, published July 15th, where, quote, over 95% of all biologists affirm the biological view that a human life begins at fertilization. That was a study done of 5,502 biologists worldwide. And 5,212 of them all agreed that life, from a biological standpoint, science, people, science, follow the science. Remember, it all, it begins. They all agree, 95% believe that it begins at fertilization. There's no other point in the human life cycle that you can say, ah, right there. Right there it begins. Other people make the argument of, well, once the brain is developed, well, the brain starts developing at like 22, 23 days after fertilization. Well, it's just a couple cells then. Well, okay, you can make that argument. You know when the brain, quote unquote, stops developing? At 25 years old. So when, when is it a person? When it starts developing or when it finishes its development? Maybe a 25-year-old is barely a person yet. Maybe a 24-year-old and 355 days, 
not a person yet. Their brain hasn't fully developed. They're not 25. Therefore, if they're not a person, well, maybe the mom finds their 24-year-old kid quite annoying. They can send them off to the euthanasia camp and transition them into the afterlife for compassion and merciful reasons because the world would be better without them. And maybe the quality of their life just isn't that great. Should, that, should a mother have that right at 25, 24 years old? Why would they have that right at 23 days old? Oh, it's when the heart starts beating, some will say. And that happens at 22 days old. 22 days after fertilization. You bring that up and people say, well, you know, people don't even know that you're pregnant then. So people try to use scientific arguments that they've not researched to make a, a, some sort of quasi-scientific claim while ignoring biologists and biology and science. And then when you bring up their point to saying, okay, so, so you're saying that after 22 days that you shouldn't be able to abort a baby. Well, I mean, um, yeah, it's just anti-science. And it's, it's willful, deliberate ignorance. Willful, deliberate ignorance on this matter. I had one person say to me, and I quote, I'm not a biologist. Well, my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, did you know that biologists frequently publish their findings in something called scientific journals? And there's this amazing new thing out. The, the library, I know it's very cumbersome. It's hard to go to. You have to go through the Dewey Decimal System to find a journal, and uh, it's hard. Got to get a library card, but there's something, this new invention out. It's called the internet. And you can go to websites on the internet. And if you go to one, here, write this down G O O G L E dot C O M. You go there to google.com and you type in. When does life begin according to science, according to biologists? And you will see the answer. So you don't need to be a scientist. That's like saying, asking the question, hey, what's pi? What's the speed of light? Well, I don't know. I'm not a mathematician. Well, I don't know. I'm not a physicist. Well, maybe you could look it up and see what mathematicians and physicists say what pi is or what the speed of light is. Just like you can look up what science says a life begins at, and it is conception. It is the fertilization of the egg at no other point. Therefore, therefore, if life, and it does, begins at conception, name one moral and ethically just reason to eliminate and kill a human life, an innocent human life. One, one ethical situation where it's okay to take a life of an innocent baby when there's not, there is none. So that, that is at every stage of the argument that you encounter, that is what you must bring it back to because that is what the issue is about. That it is never, never ethically or morally okay to take the life of an innocent baby, never. So here, here are some of the arguments that are made. Uh, you know, because a mom 
So one of the arguments is like, well, I wouldn't personally have an abortion, but I think others should have the freedom to, and it's a woman's choice. And it's a very deeply private matter, and it's not clear and straightforward. And I would trust, I would trust another woman to make that choice as a mother to know what's best for her child. That's the, the verbatim argument that people make. So my question is, since when does a woman have some like God-given right to determine what is and isn't a human or what is and isn't a person? Why is it that a woman, a pregnant woman, killed, the person who committed the murder is charged with a, with a double homicide? Why is it that when the baby is wanted, it's a person? When the baby is unwanted, it's not. It's so subjective. What changes between a woman wanting a child or not wanting the child? Does that change who or what that child is? No, it absolutely does not. Women do not have the right, a mother does not have the right to arbitrarily decide on when her baby lives and dies. Especially because anytime you say that life begins after the point of conception, it's like, well, okay, well, if it's not the heart beating, it's not the brain development, well, is it really the first breath? People say, oh, it's once a baby breathes. And then you say, okay, so a baby can breathe at 22 weeks, 20 weeks. So the only difference is, is inside the womb and outside the womb, nothing is changed. Nothing magically happens when it passes through the birth canal to all of a sudden endow it with personhood. So wh why do some people believe that if the baby is still in the womb, even at 42 weeks pregnant, you can kill it and it's totally okay. And if that is the case, if you do hold that premise to be true and you hold the argument to be true, well, you know, it's the, the baby is dependent on someone else's life. And so it's not fair for this woman's life. And it's like taking the baby off life support. It's the argument. Okay. So, well, a newborn baby is not going to survive. You leave it there. You don't feed it. Sits there, cries. It's going to die within like a few days or a week. Well, that's the law that was passed in California, Colorado, and New York. You leave a baby. You can let it die. No criminal charges up, you know, three, four weeks after birth, the fourth trimester. Well, what? Okay. So now you've accepted that. Well, what about because, because that baby is not fully human yet. It's not a full person yet. What about kids with down syndrome? Are they, are they fully human? Are they, do they have full personhood? What about someone that can't pass a certain IQ level? Maybe they have some mental learning disabilities. Autistic kids. Are they fully human? Would it be more compassionate for a mother at two years old to realize that their child is growing up to be a problem child and they're going to do the compassionate thing and put their child out of their misery? Is that not the very same argument that the Nazis made when they went about euthanizing disabled people because they believed that they were less than human and it was the compassionate thing to do? Was it not the very same argument that people made about black slaves? Well, black people are less than human. They don't have souls. 
Same argument. Okay, another argument that they made. Well, the health of the mother. The mom, the, the mom would die. You're denying women health care. Abortion is health care. The moms are everywhere are going to die. Well, first, as we said, states have exceptions for laws where if it's confirmed by two trusted physicians that you can save the mother's life. And atopic pregnancies, septus, miscarriages, those are not considered elective abortions that are ending the child's life. The child has already died. Or it's a totally non-viable pregnancy and you have to save the mother's life. There are exceptions in those rules. Thirdly, when you talk about late trimester or second trimester or third trimester, you can deliver the baby and attempt to save both lives. You do not need to tear the baby limb from limb. Maybe you don't even know what an abortion really is. Here's a, here's a clip before we go on. Here's a clip by Gina Bontempo, and she used to be total pro-abortionist, and then she watched a couple videos on what actually happens during abortion. Here's Gina. So I think it's really important to understand what abortion is because I've had women friends come to me in tears after having an abortion and they say the same thing. They always say, I didn't know it was going to be like that. I didn't know that I was going to pass my baby in the toilet and see my child in the toilet. They didn't know that it was going to be that painful. They didn't know it was going to be that, um, that horrendous because the doctors don't tell them what abortion actually is, which is why I'm so supportive of Lila Rose and live action. I think they're doing the most important work right now when it comes to abortion and educating women on what abortion actually is. And then even down to the surgical abortion, what is a surgical abortion? What happens? It's the baby just doesn't disappear. The doctor goes in with forceps and it's important to say this guys, even though it's graphic and rips out the baby's limbs first arm, arm, leg, leg, and then the forceps go in and crush the skull and then the c- continually pulls out the remaining body parts. It is the most depraved, heinous thing that we have ever adopted in society. And I think that if more women knew what abortion actually was, they wouldn't support it. And I really like Lila Rose's messaging because she says this all the time. She says abortion is anti-women. Abortion is anti-women, and it is the most depraved thing we have ever adopted in society. Decapitating and ripping the limbs off a baby in its mother's womb, crushing its head. You need to, just just as people forced those who were neutral on slavery or sympathetic to slavery, They had to force people to open their eyes to the horrors of the slave trade. You must open your eyes to the horrors of abortion. It doesn't matter what nation you live in across the world. Maybe your nation already has great laws in place limiting abortion. And you say, well, it doesn't really matter. Like This doesn't matter to me. I'm not in America. I'm not in this debate. No, it does matter. Just as it matters for you to understand the horrors of slavery, you must understand the horrors of abortion because this agenda, this worldview, this mindset is not limited to America or the West, but it's being pushed through liberal uh, institutions uh, across the globe. It is an agenda 
to push this across the globe. Well, some more statistics. A lot of people will bring up, well, what about the, the, the cases of rape and incest or if, it, if it's a minor? Wouldn't it be just, it's horrible to enforce that upon a young girl? First, I would say, yes. Rape is a gruesome, gruesome and horrible act. Despicable. Traumatizing. The man guilty of rape should be punished to the full extent of the law. And the, the law should be made more stringent so that there's hefty penalties for this. Second, I would say, is it just and right to kill the innocent bystander, which is the conceived baby? Is it justice and ethically right to kill that baby as punishment for the man's wrongdoing? No, you punish the man. You do not punish the innocent child. Well, then the question is, well, isn't it, it torment and cruel to make a woman carry that baby to term? Yes, it is horrible, but that is because the man created an, uh, committed an egregious crime. But it is never ethically or morally right to take that life. Never. The reason that people are making this argument is because it starts to pull on your heartstrings and, and compassion, and, and it's, it is quite graphic and horrible. But in America, studies show that of the 60, 70 million babies that have been aborted in the last 50 years, that less than 0.001% were due to incest. That 0.065% was because a woman's life was endangered. That 0.085%, that's less than one-tenth of a percent of abortions in America, happened due to rape. That 0.228%, that's less than a quarter of a percent, were because of women's health. 0.294%. That's between a fourth and a third of a percent was because of a woman's psychological help. 0.66%, two, two thirds of a percent were due to fetal abnormalities, and 6% were due to social economic reasons. The other 92.33% were elective, meaning they had some other choice that wasn't some sort of life threatening. They just didn't want a baby. When you add the social economic in, it comes to 98.53%, less than 1.5% of the 70 million babies aborted in America had to do with any sort of health, incest, or rape. And if you encounter someone who says, well, what about rape? You can say, well, what if we made an exception for rape and incest? Would you be okay with it? They would say, no, no, I'm not. They just changed the subject on you. That, that's what they would do. But at the end of the story, just as there's no ethical or moral reason to, for, for a landowner to own slaves, because they made the same argument. They're like, oh, the economic hardship that will suffer. They made these same arguments. They made these same arguments. 
Oh, okay. The last, the last, the last point that we're going to make in this section is the insolment one. We've touched on it, but there was uh, an article recently where uh, some Jewish, a Jewish rabbi is filing a lawsuit saying that it's infringing upon their right to practice Judaism, which they believe gives them the right to uh, abort a fetus until quote-unquote quickening, which is between 14 and 20 weeks when you can actually feel the baby move inside the stomach. And they're saying it's violating our religious rights because insolment didn't happen. I've, I've talked to Muslims about this as well, and they say, well, insolment hasn't happened. Christians, some Christians who are, are liberal and decide to disregard Scripture, uh, hold that as well, so, who, who want to justify the killing of an unborn child. They say, well, it's, is it really a person yet? Insolment hasn't happened, so therefore, you know, it's okay. If you go down that road, what is the limiting factor? What is the limiting factor? Because people, as I said, people said that about black people. People said that about Jews. Every genocide ha that has happened has happened because the other race, ethnicity, or person, or identity was dehumanized. Even the, the use of the word fetus. Oh, it's not a human. It's a fetus. Fetus is a Latin word that means child or little child or unborn child. Fetus means child, but there, it's the attempt to dehumanize it. So the problem is, when you go down this road, is a two-year-old a person yet? Is a two-year-old a human yet? What about someone who's not gone through puberty? Are, are they a person or a human yet? What if you're not 25? What if you have dementia? Have you lost your personhood? These are, these are, these are un- defendable and defensible arguments because there's no scientific backing or basing for when quote-unquote insolment happens. If someone made the argument, well, you know what? In my religion, it's okay to beat my wife. I reserve my religious right to beat my wife. What would you, would you say? Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry about that, mister. Well, I'll let you go and beat your wife. No. Just as when people made arguments of, hey, my religion says it's okay to enslave people. No. It's compassionate to enslave people. No, it's not. And it's not compassionate. And it's not okay, religious or not religious, to kill an unborn baby. Well, whew. Wow, this, this show... This show is brought to you by uh, born people like you, people who have, have survived the one in three uh, genocide rate of the unborn in America. Uh, we don't have advertisers on the show. Thank goodness, because they might not like this episode. And uh, But instead, it's supported by listeners like you. If you want to support the show, you can visit lucasscrubot.com backslash support, and you can give the value that you feel like you got out of the show, back to the show. And uh, if not, you can keep on listening for free. Um, and I do, I do thank all the supporters of the show uh, and all the listeners of the show. I hope that this 
production serves you and encourages you to stand up just like there's many people who had to make the choice to stand up for the ending of slavery. May you be someone who stands up and is willing to speak the truth when it comes to the ending of abortion. Well, don't go away. We'll be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, a part of the show where we take ancient wisdom and we weave it in with our everyday lives that we can own our future and weave our destiny. Well, today's quote is from the prophet Isaiah. He wrote, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. This is what's happening in this day and age. It's those people who make the argument that you can't legislate morality. Like, well, you know, if you put laws in place, people are just going to do it in back alleys and you're just going to have unsafe abortions. Literally the same argument as if you said, well, you can't make murder illegal. People are still going to murder. So we should have no murder laws. Well, if, you know, you make slavery illegal, as President Lincoln did in, 19, in 1863, and people are still going to have slaves, so, you know, can't legislate morality. It is a, a dark, a dark thing when a nation calls evil good and good evil. Why is it so egregious? Why is it so evil? Because it's a nation that is willfully saying that something that is completely immoral and unethical is good. There is a large difference between a nation that has just laws and then seeks to uphold those just laws, even if a large percentage of the population is breaking the law, versus a nation that says, well, hey, people are going to do it anyways, so we are going to condone wickedness. We are going to condone violence. We are going to condone murder. We are going to condone slavery. The reason that slavery was so egregious is because the U.S. government condoned it. From a, from a federal and a state level, at one point, it was condoned. It was said that this is okay. That's why it was so egregious. There's still slavery in America and all across the world today. If a nation condones it, we find that egregious because someone is calling something that's so depraved and so wicked as acceptable and good. And likewise, in this time, the progressive pro-abortionist left is calling good evil, is calling those who are fighting for human life and doing more to serve Women, every crisis pregnancy center, everyone has been started by pro-life, majority of them pro-life Christians in America. Governors of states who have passed laws to make abortion now illegal in their state, they're saying the fight is only beginning. We are going to make adoption easier. We are going to put more funds into the foster care system, we're going to make sure that every child is a wanted child, that every child has a home. But instead, 
the progressive left labels that, the pro-abortion left labels that as being anti-life and only being pro-birth and doesn't care about families and doesn't care about people after they're born. Or if you do adopt a child, well, you're now just, you know, being a, a white savior or whatever, a, a, a white passing savior, or a, if you're Asian and you adopt, uh, you are a uh, using tools of white supremacy. You know, it's, it's, you can never win. And so it's the calling of good, saying what's well, something that is good, they're calling it evil. The protecting of a life, an innocent, innocent child, they're calling evil. As I said, uh, this is just such an amazing week. It has also caused so much room for conversation and argument, and, and we've been pushing that hard here because it is an open door right now in the, the, the mind of the global, the global public to ask questions and have conversation around what is a person, what is a human life, and when is it and is it not valuable. And so the, the battle is only beginning on a worldwide level. It really is a worldwide level. I do think that uh, America is heading for more and more conflict between states, that the, the nation is becoming more and more divided. Will it stand? I don't know. I'll close with this. I, I remember growing up and my uncle, he was uh, an avid, avid advocate for the sanctity of life. I remember him and some of my cousins uh, getting thrown in jail because they were protesting in front of abortion clinics, trying to save the lives of innocent babies. And the argument would be placed against him that he is a hateful, misogynistic, patriarchal tyrant who doesn't actually care, who just wants to oppress women. That's the argument that's being made. But this man adopted four children, raised four children. He had four and then raised, adopted and raised four at great sacrifice. And these kids, my cousins, I, I could not imagine them not in my life or them not in the world. And I doubt they could or would want to not be in the world either. They were raised in a loving family. And they're now old and married and starting to have kids of their own. And that was just a short 20, 20 years ago. Life begins at conception. And we need to value that human life. Well, that's all for today's episode. If you have any questions, you can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero, And you can leave a comment, ask a question. Um, you know, do not despair. We're winning this battle and do not shrink back from speaking the truth. Now go out, own 
your future.